Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Welcome to episode 184 of Lesbians You Write. This week's topic is disappointment. Joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the queen of disappointment, T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B. How disappointed are you today? The queen of disappointment, does that mean I'm always disappointed or I'm always disappointing? Um, You know, it can work both ways, can't it? Hmm, this is a... Is this what we're going at? This is the angle we're going for? That's that's a jolly start, isn't it? (laughs) You're never disappointing to me, TV. Only a joke. Well, <laughs> um, how am I doing today? I'm all right. Uh, I have some good news. Oh. Uh, last episode, I mentioned that I was in the middle of three writing projects, which kind of snowballed on me. Well, one of those writing projects, the Lizzie novella, is with the editor. So meaning that one's off my plate at least for a couple of weeks <laughs> until it comes back. And then I have to, you know finish it and get it out there but um right now it's a little bit of a uh, breathing room on the writing side um, I had, well thank you very much i had a lot of fun writing this lizzie one um i just really gave into all the lizzie uh zaniness and it was just it was just a fun project and since it's a novella it just seems more lighthearted. novellas don't scare me as much because <laughs> i'm like oh this is a fun little romp through lizzie's world so that one's with the editor, so I'm excited about that one. I'm also working on the second draft of a standalone, and this one is not a co-write. This one is just me, and it's been a while since I've written a standalone on my own. It's exciting and a little terrifying. Um, usually, I'm doing co-writes, and I have someone that bounce ideas off, and it's always reassuring, but it's also it's a good challenge to work on a standalone on my own, uh, flex the writing muscles so to speak and stuff like that so but um it's 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 different it's been a while yeah I mean I, I, you don't kind of think about that do you because it's like you know I've done a couple of uh, co-writes but I've do, I generally write books on my own whereas you are completely the other way so and obviously you've written the novella on your own but this is the first like a full-length standalone novel um is it what sort of uh, other challenges is it throwing up is it just is it just a bit strange doing it on your own strange I'm used to it going faster yeah (laughs) those chapters don't magically appear that's annoying yeah I know it's not like just multiplying on its own it's not having chapter babies like usually when you do a co-write so um yeah it's just uh it's just different and uh I mean I've been writing the Lizzie uh stories on my own obviously throughout this but um yeah this is a standalone so it's in it has the, the plotting's on me, like, it's just all on me, and I'm just like, wow, this is kind of scary, so I'm kind of going back to the early days of writing, <laughs> so it's just, it, it's a reminder of how far I've come trying to re-tap into that, so, it, but in other news, on my other co-write with Adrian J. Smith, uh, we are in the third draft of that co-write, co-write. so um, I'm just in different stages in all the projects I'm working on right now, so, um, which helps keep it fresh for me, to be honest, I like to work on several projects at once. So, and I do have one in every single stage. Well, no, I'm not fast. I'm not first drafting right now. So that is a different thing. 
But anywho's, um, no, I guess the co- uh, the standalone's a first draft. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. You seem to be juggling it all right to me. Am I? Can't yeah. explain it, but let's hope it all turns out when I hit publish on some of those. In other news, in the iHeart sapphic world, um, I just survived the Christmas in July event that had uh, 50 plus free books over three days. Um, free books on our new website are a bit different. Um, we still use a, a universal link, but it's not the universal link tied to our Amazon associate account because Amazon doesn't like you to, to have so many free uh, free books that are or free products that are directing to Amazon. Um, they want them to be qualifying purchases. So we have to create a different universal link for the free book um, events. And uh, since the way it's set up in our system, when I add that special link for a free book, it, it changes the buy button from an Amazon buy to a free free buy button. So obviously I can't swap in that link until that book is actually free. So um, when you have 50 plus books and you're trying to start a sale by eight in the morning, that means you have to get up at four to add all of the free links, which is why we only do this event once a year. <laughs> It's a massive project, probably a bigger project than the um, bigger sales that have like two to 300 books because the links are already there and I don't have to go change them. So, and then of course the day the sale ends, I'm back in the seat and removing all of those links. So um, luckily they're, they're well worth it. Uh, well, we don't make any money from the associates obviously because um, mm. it's not tied to our account, but it's worth it for the readers. The event was a, a massive success with readers. I saw on Twitter that Eliza Lenski, who had a book involved in the um, free book event, she had oh, she had 3,746 downloads. That is a lot for, and I don't know if I don't know if Eliza had other advertising or if she did like a book bub associated with it. So I don't know if that was all from like IHS and then being on the top of the free book chart or something like that. But um, that's just how much the readers really love them. And then I get lovely messages from readers who, um, especially readers who are uh, either like uh, older or, or cash strapped or something like that. They really appreciate these events because, um, I mean, they can load up 50 plus books and that is quite a gift. So I appreciate all the authors who uh, contributed to the event and I'm glad it was such a success. And I am now in recovery. <laughs> so, and then of course we'll do it again. But um, if, if, Authors are wondering why we only do it once a year. That is the reason. Mm. No, I'm sure uh, uh, authors are appreciative, as I always say about IHS things. You do a lot of it um, for not much uh, financial reward, and it takes a lot of time. So, um, but yeah, I, I have to say, uh, I don't know if it was that. Uh, were they all Christmas books or not? No, because no. I put your free book in it. I mean, some people did put Christmas books because it is Christmas in July. Mm. But um, no, there was like. No, there are all different types of books in it. Okay, yeah, I definitely saw a uh, a uptick in mine, so that was great. Uh, the downloads of my free book, but also, do you know what? I saw an uptick of Christmas book sales in July. So um, I think it's just people have this in their head, like Christmas in July. I must read Christmas books. <laughs> I find that interesting. Like I didn't do a sale on them or anything; they're the same price. But I think people have gotten used to uh, reading Christmas books in July. In other news, um, last week Miranda and I went to Nantucket 
for a day, uh, Nantucket, in case you don't know, it's an island off of Massachusetts. So uh, we got up very early, uh, drove to the ferry, and caught one of the first ferries out and spent the day there and then came back by ferry in the evening because it's a really expensive place to stay overnight. I think we just like, we just like wanted to see what the price was. And now granted it was like a last minute deal, but we wanted to see like what, what it would cost if we wanted to stay overnight on that day. And I think the, the cheapest one we could find was $1,100 for a hotel room. What? <laughs> so that, that's not even a, something we're going to even consider. Miranda is doing research for a series that she wants to write and that she wants to set on, uh, I can't remember if it's actually going to be set on Nantucket or an island like Nantucket. So, um, so we were doing some research and then obviously just having some fun as well. And I have to say it was my first time going there. Nantucket is absolutely adorable. Um, it's one of those really just quaint little island towns that's just really cute. It was crowded as can be. Um, but that, I mean, we're going to an island off of Massachusetts in late July. So I think crowds were expected. But we also went there on a day where it was going to be really hot back home. And it's usually 10 to 15 degrees cooler there. So that was a nice break. And I just, a summer breeze on a quaint island is just like the definition of happiness. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I I love those islands off Na- of off Nantucket, off Massachusetts. Uh, I went to, what's the other one? Uh, Martha's Vineyard. Um, we went there uh, for a day and I wish that we'd stayed overnight as well because it was, I, I just thought it was going to be so much smaller than it was. I don't know what difference in size Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard are, but the, vi- the Martha's Vineyard itself was just such a delight and gorgeous. We hired bikes and we rode all around it and I would have loved to stay there for longer. So, um, yeah. I wonder how much that one would have been overnight. Yeah, I don't think I would have paid eleven hundred dollars. And granted, this was just like you know a last minute look Still. on like I don't know like cheap tickets or something like that. So mm. who knows if like we could have found a cheaper like I didn't try very hard. Is there not a, there's, a, there's not a promo in on uh, Nantucket? <laughs> I don't know, but I mean it, obviously both these islands are are known for their affluent uh, yeah people who go and stay there like it's like movie stars and stuff yeah. like that yeah. stockbrokers so yeah a bit a wet well not a bit well out of my price range for a one night stay yeah. like a week maybe for <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one night well not a week but several nights for 1100 that sounds more doable but one night i was just like well thanks i'm gonna just catch the ferry home yeah but in other news my last bit of fun well hopefully not ever just for this podcast so just for this recording um fingers I saw crossed the, the, yeah fingers crossed I saw the Barbie movie on opening weekend, and I even dressed all in pink. I had on pink pants, pink shirt, pink cardigan, because it's always really cold in movie theaters, even though it's like 100 degrees outside. Um, The movie's pretty funny, and I just think it's absolutely fantastic that a movie written for women and directed by a woman is doing so well at the box office. I think they're approaching the one billion mark worldwide. I have my fingers crossed it convinces Hollywood executives to bring back more movies for women. I would love a return of the rom-com heyday, you know, like Notting Hill, Bridget Jones's Diary, You've Got Mail. I would love, love, love to have more programming for women instead of, don't get me wrong, I love the Marvel movies, I love like the action-packed movies, but can we have a more well-rounded box office where it's not just one kind of movie? 
No, I totally agree. I don't really. That's the reason I don't go to cinemas very often. A, because I don't like sitting in the dark with other people. Uh, but B, also the movies are pretty normally pretty shit. Um, but I intend to go and see Barbie. Uh, but at the moment, it's kind of crazy over here because it just came out. I think last week, and so. Uh, our local view which is like the one we, we have free tickets for it's showing it it's got 15 showings a day and I couldn't get in this week so uh, I'm going to leave it until next week maybe or the week after see if we can get in it's been selling out like I think um some of the screenings for Oppenheimer were at four in the morning I was just like what a way to start the day I hope they're ending their day with that like I hope they like you know that was their their thing and then they're going to go home and rest I'm, I'm kind of on the fence with Oppenheimer. I know it's a history one and uh, everything, but I, I know how it turns out, and it's not great. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. I just know it's about First World War bombs or something. But, um, yeah, it's not what I'm going to be going to see. Uh, World War Two. it is about the um, atomic bombs. Right. So, um, yeah, it... Doesn't sound like a, a rom-com. destruction. <laughs> oh. Which is really weird, and I think that's why it really played well with the Barbie Oppenheimer, because they're just so drastically different. But also shows the uh, destruction of the patriarchy, so I did make some promises that I might see it, so I'll let you know how it goes. But um, how are things on your side? Hopefully not atomic bombing. No, there'll be no bomb uh, watching over here, as say. Barbie all the way, Oppenheimer, no. My neighbours went to see it, they said it's three hours of their lives, they won't get back. Right, so uh, what's been going on over here? Well, you know, the usual stuff, writing, editing, blah, 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 repeat to paid. Really, uh, as well, I've been building in time to watch the uh, Women's World Cup. So um, I knew this was coming uh, at the end of July and um, I always make the time to watch the World Cup. Um, it doesn't actually matter where if I've been working for myself or not. I remember in the 2002 men's world cup in japan i just said to my boss i'm going to be watching the games i want to watch i will get my work done and he's like okay fine so yeah i i just always um make the time because you know i love watching world cup football so um because i was just saying to tb off air today before this that i'd already watched two games of football and been to the gym and hadn't really done much work <laughs> So, um, but you know, that's the beauty of uh, being your own boss. Um, yes, I, I haven't quite made those deadlines yet, um, but I have been doing a lot more work uh, in the interim. So that's good, isn't it? Um, I have been continuing to edit and write. Uh, and I've also been trying to do a few Facebook ads again. So that's been interesting because I heard the targeting had been updated. So I thought I'll give it another go. But you know what? I don't think the targeting has been updated. <laughs> I think it's lies, all lies, um, and it's it's just like, I think, when did I start doing, I've done Facebook ads once before, once or twice, but I think it must be at least six years since I tried. So where are we now, 2023, it's probably about right, I think it was like 2016, 2017, and I found them very difficult to get the targeting right, and nothing's changed uh, in my estimation of this one. I'm finding it very hard for them to spend my money which is very unusual. They spent my money in the blink of an eye last time. This time round, they're not spending it as quickly. Yeah, I tried uh, Facebook ads back in 2017 as well. I think we all signed up for the Mark Dawson courses and started uh, dabbling with it. And then it did not go well for me in 2017. And I have not started dabbling with it again because uh, I don't have the bandwidth for it right now because they are quite a bit of work. Also, who did you get the update from? Was it Mark? Did Mark tell you that they improved it? 
Quite, no, quite a lot of people told me at the self-publishing formula uh, conference, authors from all different uh, fields. Um, I was talking to one of the people who'd won the Kindle Storyteller. Their partner did all their ads for them, and I was having a long conversation with him, and he was telling me. And quite a few different other people as well. So I thought, hey, I'll give them another go, but I don't know. Um, maybe it's different for different genres. I think it's always more difficult for, you know, when you're advertising in the queer space. Yeah, it's just a much smaller pool, so it, it is harder to um, micro-target when the pool is already drastically smaller. Like, I know, like, like, like with Mark Dawson, like, um, I mean, he can target, like, elite childs and everything mm-hmm. like that, and that is a big market. And then um, we can't really target, like, a Sarah Waters or a Jeanette Winterson because um, it's not the same writing. It's just like, oh, hey, if you like lesbian fiction... I don't write historical fiction or I don't write literary fiction. So it's just, it's much harder for uh, genre fiction or uh, sapphic fiction. Yeah. So, yeah. But good luck. Good luck. I, I hope maybe, maybe you can crack the code. Maybe. That would be great, wouldn't it? But um, yeah, so as well as, um, yeah, just doing my um, normal stuff, I've been trying to do that because I was just like, you know, it's one of those things that's been on my back burner for a while. So we'll see. Um, in the interim also, I've put it started with a kiss um, back wide, so that's available now on all platforms. It was in uh, Kindle Unlimited for over a year, actually, because of all the different promotions that Amazon kept throwing at it, but um, now it's uh, gone wide. And I don't know if Hopshot Audiobook had come back and was out. I think maybe it had just come out, but that is um, out and flourishing now, Hotshot and Audio, and... The Christmas catch as well. I've done. I've tied that one up, so that is ready to go. So well done me. That's a that's a win. That's ready to go whenever I want to put it out. So I'll probably press the button on that mid September just so that um it can be ready for this Christmas. Um. So yeah. So but apart from watching all the um, Women's World Cup, which I have to say um has made me want to write another football book. <laughs> but I really need to finish the books I'm writing first, hadn't I? Uh, but everyone, everyone, a lot of people are still reading Hotshot and they keep going, where's the sequel? I want a sequel. So, um, yeah, it would be um, it would be nice. And I have actually set up a completely easy sequel uh, in Hotshot, but I hadn't actually planned to write one. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I do love watching the Women's World Cup and there are so many, there are so many parallels with writing uh, with the Women's World Cup, you know, like just believing, self-belief, doing it, consistently doing it, consistently doing the work every day and seeing the results in the matches is the same as consistently doing the writing and doing the work and seeing the results uh, when readers get your book. So I, I really do see so many parallels in so many different worlds, but um, I'm loving watching these top athletes and um, I'm loving watching all the different nations flourishing as well. Women's football has come on leaps and bounds and it's really showing in this World Cup. Um, other than that, I've been just been, um, yeah, keeping keeping on, keeping on. Been just seeing seeing friends, seeing drag shows. Drag shows are the thing in London. Do you know what? I, I think that drag has become very mainstream uh, in London. So many of my friends and family have been going to drag brunches and drag shows um, all over all over the UK, not just even in London. So, yeah, that's when you know that drag shows have made it to the mainstream. Who doesn't love a good drag show? Like, if you're just in a bad mood, I recommend going and seeing a really good drag show, and they just will make you laugh, they'll make you sing, they'll make you believe in anything. I love drag shows. But I have a question about the Women's World Cup, if we, can, if we could go back to that. Mm. Who's the biggest Cinderella story so far? Um... Who's been the, is that, is that like who's been the standout player? 
No, who's well, like a... who's the biggest underdog that oh. you hope like they oh. they find their their princess at the end of the night before okay. the carriage turns Which into team? A... Mm. Yes. Well, I think it would have been a fairy tale if New Zealand had got out of their group because New Zealand had won. They're the hosts, the co-hosts, and they'd won. Um, they'd lost, sorry, ten out of the last twelve games before they hit the World Cup final, and then at uh, World Cup finals, and then uh, in their first game they beat Norway, who are ranked pretty like top ten or something. Mm-hmm. So that would have been fantastic. But then they drew and lost their next game and and went out nearly, so nearly the slipper, but they lost it at the last. Uh, I don't know. I think that the un- underrated, like sort of under the radar. No, I don't think many people were fancying Japan before this World Cup, but they have looked tip top. I think that they were my pick of the group. But actually, probably Colombia. Colombia have done incredibly well, um, and I watched their second game where they beat Germany. Nobody expected them to beat Germany, uh, so they are. They're not through yet. They still got. I don't. I think they've still got to play their final group stage. Yeah, they do. Um, by the time this comes out. So if Columbia get through and win their group, they are the Cinderella. Well, that's the team I should root for. Yeah. Aside from the U.S., but uh, I always like to root for the underdog. I'm always. I, I think it's such an amazing story. Well, I, I think Columbia have got a story in, within a story because they're playing fantastic football in a great team, um, as are Japan. But they've got a um, they've got a player called I think her name is Linda um, Cassie. Cassiedo, I might be getting that wrong, Some similar to that. She is 18, and she uh, had ovarian cancer when she was 15, battled it, got through it, on the pitch, and she scored, I think, two goals. She scored a wonder goal against Germany, absolutely precision. So she's your Cinderella story within the Cinderella team. There you go. That That, that is who I am cheering for. Columbia. Going forward. Okay. Yes. All right. I, I that's what I love about sports. I love I all this is why I never win sports bets by the way. Never take the team I bet for because I'm always always cheering for the underdog no matter what. Well, luckily we've just come off the back of England beating China 6-1. They were the underdogs in this one, but I'm glad they didn't triumph. Anyway, let's get on to comments. Comment monitor, what right. you got? All right. So, Kathy A commented and she has said, I do listen to all of your podcasts. I love you both. Thanks for the shout out. So we appreciate you, Kathy, and we appreciate the support going on. How many years we've been doing this? Four? Is this our fourth year? Forty? Fourth year. (laughs) Forty-four. Okay. You're doing math like me, huh? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. 184 episodes. I think we studied in March of 2019. Right, gosh, long time. Four years. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So we appreciate all of you, all listeners, but we also appreciate the ones who have stuck it out with us from the very beginning. Um, that is it for comments and coffees and everything on my end. So do you have any comments on your side? Nothing. I got nothing. So let's crash on to the topic at hand. Uh, do do send us your comments, by the way, uh, and do uh, go and buy us coffee, helping to keep up uh, the back end of the podcast. Like the faltering hind legs of a pantomime donkey, isn't it, TB? Just needs the occasional coffee to keep it upright. Sorry, I'm struggling with the image. <laughs> crack on, crack on. <laughs> it's a very British image, that one. Right, so the topic at hand now... I don't remember if it was somebody who wrote in with this or if I, it was a comment I saw online. So if you did write in, thank you. Sorry, I can't name check you. But 
uh, it was a comment, I think it was a comment online, and somebody asked, how do you cope with the disappointment of rarely being included in recommendation lists, and how do you deal with that? And they said, I know that people read my books because I can see people buying them and downloading them on Kindle Unlimited, but it still hurts. So how do you deal with the disappointment of that? So we thought we'd, we'd take that, but also the overarching topic of disappointment. Shall I, shall I say a little bit, TB? Have you got anything to add to the um, intro? I am going to discuss two types of reading recommendation lists. So there are two different types that um, I'm never on. <laughs> so I like to double the pain. Okay, so um, do, do you want to talk about them? Well, the first type of uh, recommendation list that I'm never on is the one that always comes out in Pride Month. It's always like the big bloggers that come out with their uh, pride recommendations and it has like the Casey McQuiston book and the Taylor Jenkins Reid book and all of that. And that one's just maddening because then you see all the comments on that list. It's like, why isn't there more more uh, sapphic books like this? And I'm just like, uh, hello. <laughs> like I re- literally created a website with a database that is almost at 4,000 books in it. So so that's a frustration. So there's that, there's that one, that the yearly list that come out and it's the big Pride Month, and it's always just like the same books over and over and over again on that list. So that is a huge frustration. And then the other one is the um, ones I see like in like on social media and everything that is uh, a little closer to home because it's from our readers. But I'm never on those lists. So I just wanted to introduce the two types of lists I will be addressing. Okay, good to know. When I saw this question, I think it's something that everyone can, every author, really, apart from Casey McQuiston and Ashley Herring-Blake, can, um, <laughs> can, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Relate to? Relate to. There you go. Yeah. I was, I was going to say aspire to. Like, no, no, that's not, uh, maybe you aspire to be on the list, but everyone can relate to it because everybody, everybody, apart from, you know, a handful of authors, um, is, it doesn't get on these lists because like TB says a lot of the time it's just the same the same people on the same lists and mainly because they're by bloggers who get these books for free from traditional publishing and so they're the ones uh, that they know and they're because they're from the big five they're the ones that they pick out um, like I said it's something that affects everyone whether you're starting out to whether you've got a big backlist like TB and I I sometimes get books included in these lists. More often than not, you don't, because there's only so many spaces, right? But I have been, mm-hmm. right? On the big pride list, I was included on the Goodreads one with Before You Say I Do. And that was a surprise, I have to say. <laughs> but I think that book kind of broke out and got it got mentioned a lot more than any book I've ever read, uh, written. So, you know, I was amazed, but it's like anything, isn't it? It's like, who who picks them? Who picks those books to go on the list? It really just does depend. It's like we've said this before as well with um, with awards. It's like you can aspire to be in these awards. You can aspire to be in these lists, big lists, smaller lists. You can aspire to be in the book stacks that people put on um, social media. It's all the same thing, right? It's just one person's opinion or, or three or four people's opinion. And you've got to remember that they're getting, they might have been sent a a box of goodies from the traditional publisher <laughs> and so they're they're more inclined to put that book on or they might be getting they've got a personal connection with the with the PR company that have sent them this book so 
you know there there are so many there are so many different variables uh your your book might be just as good as these other books it might be better than these other books in a lot of instances we all know that there are loads and loads and loads of fantastic sapphic books from indies but they're never going to get recognition from all these book bloggers because it's not how the world works right now however there are instances where people do get in to these lists, the bigger ones, like I did one year. It's never happened since, but I did that one year. You know, like I, I saw, um, is it Katia Rose, um, the author who got into CBC's Canada's, I've, I've, I've seen her promoting it on social media. So like CBC, like is that a big TV company? I have no idea. I think, um, I think it, I, mm, Canadian listeners, let us know. <laughs> but I did see that she got into basically um, a list of like the top summer reads uh, for from Canadian authors. And I thought, oh, wow, well done you. Because it's always really good when other indie authors get picked and put uh-huh. on these lists because you want to break, you want to break the stranglehold that these traditional publishers have on all these lists. And that's what we're all striving to do. But I would say... In answer to the question, um, what do you do? How do you deal with it? You just have to kind of ignore it because because you've got no control over it. I know we say this time and time and time again. There's nothing you can do apart from write the best book that you can, try and promote it the best way you can, and then write the next one the best way you can um, and try and reach more readers. Because the more readers read it, the more likely maybe it will get a bit of buzz around it. It's all about buzz, partly, but it's also you are fighting against a bigger machine. You are, but um, I took a slightly different angle with this question. Go on then. Um, so the way I dealt with this uh, this issue, because um, obviously being an author who survives on my income, uh, my writing income, um, you still have to drive eyeballs <laughs> to your books to uh, make sales. Like you can't just uh, hope to make one of these lists and then like be sitting sitting pretty for the rest of your life. It's one of the reasons I started I Heart Sapphic. Because like I wasn't getting uh, any any love from the list, I wasn't getting any love from the big uh, book reviewers, the bloggers, and stuff and such. And I wanted to create a sapphic fiction community where um, I could get attention and to help all other authors. Because like like Claire said, a lot of us, most of us, are not on these lists. And, and I am always excited, always excited when I see another uh, sapphic fiction author who makes these lists. Because it does help grow the visibility of the genre, which is what uh, all of us want. And so um, I try to create, I'm trying to create uh, a database with iHeartSafic. So when people say, I wish there were more books, I can pop a link in and be like, have you tried the book finder? Um, There's thousands of books in there. Hopefully you find one that you like, stuff like that. And I do think it's very important to create a community where all authors belong. Um, We include books by trad, hybrid, indies. It really sucks being left out, and I don't want to make people feel that way ever. So my my way of dealing with the disappointment of never being on these lists or anything like that is to uh, create a stronger community and to create uh, a place where we can all belong. That's how I dealt with the disappointment. That's a, an incredible answer, which most people won't won't give. <laughs> um, but well done, you. Uh, yeah, I mean that is that is one stellar way of dealing with a disappointment to create your own platform to give uh, everybody a chance to be on these lists, which is what I iHeart Sapphic does um, with all its um, polls and you, you you're constantly doing sort of uh, genre yeah. specific polls and things like that, aren't you? 
Yeah, we have a weekly poll, um, and we ask questions like, you know, what's your favorite road trip uh, book, sapphic road trip book, and stuff like that. And we we allow we open the voting to everyone. We create um, what's your what was your favorite new release featured in uh, the newsletter last month. We're we're constantly putting um, the and we ask the readers on social media to nominate the books, and then uh, the readers get to vote on the books. And so yeah, we're just trying to create a community where all of us fit in. Um, we believe that a rising tide lifts all boats, and um, and the and the big books like the Casey McQuistons and the uh, uh, what is it the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Don't get me wrong, I like the books; they're great books. I'm not bashing the authors in any way, or I'm not even bashing the bloggers. Um, I'm just trying to create a community that opens it up more and kind of levels the playing field a bit more. Yes, absolutely. We're not at all bashing those books or those authors because they are brilliant books um, and the authors are fantastic. Uh, but it would just be nice uh, for more light to be shone on the wealth of books that we know that are out there in the sapphic community. So like you said, I, I think, you know, from the question, it's something that affects everyone um, apart from this handful of authors. I would say as well that I know that this is something that's a bit trite and um, it's one of those uh, sayings that's written on posters and mirrors, but it's true. Uh, and that is comparison is the thief of joy. If you start comparing yourself to the other people, why aren't I on that list? Why aren't I doing this? Why aren't I? Um, your journey and where you are is never the same as someone else. Um, and you don't, you might not have the resources behind you. Um, but like TV says, it's, it's really important to try and drive uh, readers to your books and um, try and drive, you know, promote your books as much as you can. You can't just put them out there and think, oh, well, why aren't I on the list? You have to do something about it. Um, it's not it's not enough anymore just to put your books out there and, and cross your fingers. So build a mailing list, enter all the iHeartSafic uh, polls and put your books on the book finder. Uh, networking with other read, um, authors and bloggers and things like that will, is, is only going to make readers more aware of your work. And then you might stand a chance of getting you know onto one of these book stacks who doesn't love it when you get one of those pretty book stacks that the amazing bloggers and influencers put together and then you can restore it and and um, repost it and then everybody wins because you get you get some social media content that's nice and it's social proof it's marketing for you and your books so it's something great to do don't compare yourself to other people as well because your journey is your journey and it is an ongoing process but it's just when i remember when i was having I had um, a really bad sort of time, mental health wise, sort of, I don't know, probably like about five or six years ago. Um, and I, I hired a, um, a business coach just to sign of chat to people, someone about it. And it was one of the best things I ever did. You can, you can become obsessed with these things and that's not a good, that's not a good place to be in. And at that point I was obsessed with my sales figures. So I would check the KDP dashboard, like, to my detriment like it was it wasn't even like in the first week of launch I would check it constantly like every five ten minutes honestly I was probably spending hours checking the KDP dashboard and this is like five six years into my journey so it's not like I'm, I'm a newbie author I know that that is the wrong thing to do but when I hired my business coach that was one of the first things I said was I need to stop this uh, habit and his advice was um just focus on something else <laughs> it's really fucking simple everyone but isn't it's easier said than done and as well breaking that habit but it, I kind of think it applies here as well I mean I know where everything that TB says is true too it, it's kind of two sides of the same coin you've got to do as much as you can for your book make it the best book you can do but also don't focus on it 
because focusing on it will drive you mad. So concentrate on something else, then you'll move forward. But as well, if you get featured in one of these things, it's great, but it, it is fleeting. Just like if you don't, it's it's a little bit sad, but it is fleeting. Remember that. It is, but also checking these lists and then um, seeing that if your book is not on it and such. I mean, that just creates bitterness, and then it's going to be harder for you to create your own stories. Uh, creating something from zero words to like an 80 to 90K book or more or less, it's, it's hard enough, and if you just keep adding more negative thoughts in your head, it's going to be harder and harder and harder to write the stories you want to write. So... As much as it can hurt, sometimes you just have to move on and realize that that is not defining you as a writer. Your readers are defining you as a writer. They love you. They want more stories from you. Concentrate on that. Concentrate on the things you can control, which is creating your books. Yeah, no one can do that but you. Uh, and, you know, you getting um, recommended or in some list or other, it's not in your control. So, you know, like we said on that, um, it's easy to say, it's really easy to say, <laughs> but it's just kind of, it's just kind of, you have to just ignore it. But, you know, similarly, if you do get uh, recommended, share it because then it's, um, it's good for everyone. Well, I love to see it. I really love to see it. So do share it so I can see it and uh, smile for on your behalf because I love to see anyone who uh, breaks through. So yeah, yeah, share it and um, it, it helps the, the entire genre. So yeah, that is great. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like when Rachel Lacey broke through with her, her books uh, and they were like storming the charts and I was like, you go you, go you. Anyway. Um, I think we've kind of... Anything else to say? I think we kind of... Well, also, I just really learned throughout my life that I've never been one of the cool kids. <laughs> I just never have. I'm just kind of used to it. Do you know what? I, I don't think I've ever been one of the cool kids either, but you can... you can. I was going to say you can furrow your own plough, but that's not right. It's plough your own furrow. Is it? Is that right? What does that mean? <laughs> What's a furrow? It's a, it's a farming term. <laughs> You know, from me, the the big farming person. Sorry, Denise, the pecan <laughs> farmer. Do, do you think... <laughs> can, she help? can we can we phone a pecan farmer to get an answer to whatever this is supposed to be? Because I'm just like, Dad, think... what was the other one you said earlier? Where I was just like, a what? A half donkey? What? Yeah, <laughs> I think this is plow your own furrow. But it's basically, you can you can walk your own path, and that path might not intersect many. Recommenda book recommendation lists or book stacks but you can still be successful on that path I think that's the thing right it's like there are many many people many many authors who who have fantastic success and readers love them but they never win an award and they never get recommended but you know it's just they're they're just fly under the radar it's your own ego that you're trying to please here and while everybody has it and we all understand it you can be successful without it too Yes, a lot of the authors, the really successful ones, they, um, the reason they're successful is they just keep doing it. <laughs> they just keep publishing, and they keep writing their books, and they keep their readers are pleased by the outcome. So that is, again, that's what you can focus on. Yeah, totally. All right, we hope you've enjoyed this episode, and we hope it's been useful. Do join us back here next time around when we're going to be talking about... Oh, you're throwing it to me. Um, our, our shadow selves. I am stealing this concept from uh, Joanna Penn. And um, I would like to 
discuss whether or not we have to show any if people who don't know our shadow selves that's like our naughty sides we all have them we're all not well unless you're that perfect human being but we all have them and how do you incorporate the shadow self into a happily ever after book do you have any evil in your book or are there things that your characters have to overcome or do you just focus on the kittens and rainbows so how do you dance that line Mm. I think this is going to be a um, cracking topic, so I'm looking forward to it already. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, do you can do so by going to the website lesbianswhowrite.com and leaving us a comment, or you can email us lesbianswhowrite at gmail.com. You can Facebook us, tweet us, oh no, it's Xus now, isn't it, at leswhowrite. Uh, better to Instagram me, at Vic. And do send us in any um, questions and comments you have because we're going to be compiling for a future Ask Us Anything episode to get your questions in. Do join us next week. Um, In the meantime, take care. Uh, Keep writing. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Follow us on Twitter at Les Who Write or show us some love on our website by leaving us a comment or buying us a coffee. And sign up to our newsletter while you're there to never miss another episode. Head over to lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more listeners to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time.